Let's turn all the lights up. Let's have the ushers come forward. We're going to take your money tonight, too. Ushers, we're going to receive this evening's offering. Ushers can come forward. Father, bless this offering. Multiply it to meet the needs of this your house. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give. And um, testing one, two, three is a little... It's a little hot in the monitors. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you. How many enjoy being in the presence of God? I just love worship. Worship is the way into the presence of God because we come into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And so if you ever feel separated from the presence of God, just go into a room and worship. And really apply your heart and turn your heart toward worship. And the atmosphere of your life will change. Is it going in and out or is it just me? No, he says it's going in and out. I'm going to use the handheld mic. And uh, we are recording, right? Okay, excellent. Uh, verse 19, it says, He also brought me into a broad place, and he delivered me because he delighted in me. The NIV, that was the NKJV. The NIV says, He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Down further, I believe it's verse 36. It says, You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. The NIV says, you broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. You know, we talk about the Christian life and we know that it's a straight and narrow path, correct? Remember Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that walk in it, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be with walk in it. The way to eternal life is a narrow way and all you experience is the narrowness of it in the infancy of your faith. When we're first beginning to learn how to walk with the Lord, the one thing that we're more aware of than anything else is what we have to turn away from. Ways that we can no longer walk in anymore that we used to walk in. And, and we're, we're constantly confronted. Can you turn that off, please? Thanks. With the narrowness of the path. And quite frequently we go through seasons, even again and again and again throughout our life in which God narrows the path. We find that our path is getting more and more narrow. God will come to us in seasons throughout our life and say, okay, now I've got to prune you again. I've got to take some stuff out of your life. The path's getting a little bit too broad here, buddy. And the path is too broad whenever anyone else can walk with you on it besides the Lord. Whenever there's room for anything or anyone else on the path besides the Lord, it's too broad. It's narrow, it's got to be narrow enough for just you and the Lord to walk it. That is, there's got to be a component of your life that is reserved just for you and the Lord. 
And so we experience the narrowness of it and the narrowing nature of it throughout the course of our lives. But there's a point at which narrow... It's all right. It's okay. It wasn't the big one. Uh, Oscar scared me more than the earthquake did. Oscar is about to throw people out of his way to get out the door. <laughs> well, look what it, look what it did to Lorenzo's hair. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking about. Now, see, if we all tried to get out that door at the same time, it'd be too narrow. We'd experience the narrowness. <laughs> you remember where you were when the big one hit in 89? Uh, you were watching the World Series. There's a distinction between narrow and restricted. The path is supposed to be narrow, but it's not supposed to be restricted. And the path becomes restricted when you feel like you're in a prison, you feel like you're in a cage, you feel like you're stuck, and that's not what the Christian life is all about. The way is narrow, but it's broad at the same time because he broadens it beneath your feet. The first thing you experience is you have to enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, and you walk the narrow way. And to get through the narrow gate, you've got to allow God to strip you of everything. The first thing we realize is that I just can't take some of this stuff with me into this Christian life. There's stuff i just got to let go of. It's too narrow for me to get through with this stuff. And then we experience it as a narrow path. There's no room for anything but me and Jesus on it. But suddenly at a certain point in the journey, he begins to broaden the path beneath my feet. Yeah. You enlarge the path under my feet. So that I realize that what God wants from me is not re to restrict me into a small place where I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place and I don't have any choices and I don't have any benefits and everything that was of profit to me is just loss and all I experience is loss, loss, loss. But instead he wants to enlarge the path beneath my feet so that I find on it that it is strewn with unexpected blessings. You enlarge the path beneath my feet. And as I was praying this morning, what the Lord put in my heart is that us being in this little tiny place is a prophetic sign of what many of us feel spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. Many of you have been walking a, fin a financial narrow road, and it's restrictive. You're between a rock and a hard place. There's no room for anything. You can't move to the right or to the left. You're restricted. You're stuck. It's like coming into this place, second service, Sunday morning, and the room seats 92 people, and there's 130 people trying to cram in it. And then the worship team said, the worship leader says, let's dance. <laughs> I 
You've been living in a restricted place. But the Lord said to me this morning, announce to the church that it's time to enter into the broad place. He's getting ready to enlarge the road beneath his feet. Now, we've seen a series of prophetic signs. I, I, announced, um, I announced to the congregation what the Lord told me about my wife and I leave, losing our home. And I announced it before it happened. I said, the Lord told me in prayer to watch us. And whatever he does for us, expect him to do it for the church. Now, that was before we had lost the downstairs as well. We lost our home. We were homeless for a month and a half. And then the Lord gave us a home that was more than four times larger than the home we lost. So I announced to the congregation, that's the pattern. That's the paradigm. That's the standard. God is not moving us from one cramped place to another. He's moving us from a restricted place to a broad place. And this is what the Lord is saying. It's time for us to move now as a house. Now I'm announcing this in the spirit. It's not happening yet in the natural. But I'm saying to you that the Lord has spoken to me this morning and that we're moving. And by mid-March, early April next year, we're going to have services in our new building. And it's going to be a minimum of four times larger than this place. But what the Lord wants us to know is that what he's getting ready to do for this house. Now, many of you missed it the last time. I announced it. I said, watch us. Watch us. You know, the day you heard we got into a 4,000 square foot home, you should have been shouting, dancing. If you believe the word when you heard it. So the Lord's going to give you another chance. Those of you that missed it, many of you got it, but some of you missed it. What he does for his house in this next season will be a prophetic sign to you of what he will do for you. Because God is not interested in blessing his house and not his people. He's going to put us in a building that is beyond what we think we can now afford. He's going to expand our territory and not the way we may think he's going to do it. It's funny, the Lord spoke to me today, this morning, I went into prayer asking the Lord, what kinds of businesses can we start in the new place? And don't get me wrong, we may start something there, it'll, it'll just be beneficial. But the Lord spoke to me so clearly today and, say, and said, don't try to figure it out in the natural. You're trying to figure out a way to make provision for my house. I'm fully capable of providing for my house. The Lord said, even if you start no business, I'm going to pay for it. And so the Lord is sending the silver and the gold. He's sending the resources. He's releasing them from heaven. You know, the greatest obstacle to greatness is overcoming fear. But one of the reasons why fear becomes a barrier and an obstacle that stands in your path is because you must learn to discern between fear or you must learn to discern between boldness and haste. Proverbs 21.5 says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And here's what happens. People are hasty and think they're bold. And then they come to ruin. 
And people are bold and think they're hasty, so they hesitate. And when God says it's time to be bold and run, but you, 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 you check things. Oh, wait, wait, we've got, well, we've got to make sure, we've got to let you know. No, 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 let's make sure we got to make sure we're making the right decision here. The Lord said run. I know the Lord said run, but we just, we got to do our due diligence too. Elijah, tuck in your cloak and run. You're going to run ahead of the chariots. Well, wait a minute, Lord. I need to make sure a man can actually run that fast. What if I trip at 60 miles an hour? (laughs) I'll tumble for days. I don't think I would survive that. It's too risky. Whenever the Lord calls you to run, it's risky. Because if you trip, you know it will mean the end of you. And the question is, are you willing to risk your life to run after the things that the Lord sets before you? Whenever the Lord calls you to run, it's always at the risk of your life. And so whenever the Lord is calling you to run, the first thing the devil tells you is you're being hasty. And whenever the Lord tells you to wait... If the enemy's always there to say, be bold. Charge. And so the greatest crisis of discernment for believers in Jesus Christ is the crisis of discerning between boldness and haste. But I'm saying to you tonight by the word of the Lord that there's no haste in this. And here's how you can discern the difference. Haste is always compulsive. It's always anxious. And it's always fearful. If we don't do this, this is going to happen. Stop. If I don't do this, this is going to... Oh, if I don't do this, that's haste. Why? Because it's operating out of fear. And it seeks to react to a situation rather than respond to the Lord. If I don't, this will. Fear. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has spoken to me in the midst of my panic and said, there's no crisis. And when the Lord says there's no crisis, he never explains why. It looks like a crisis, but he's telling you it's not. And you just have to trust. (laughs) I'm rushing. I I I had a deadline for something, and I'm rushing, and I'm pushing, and I'm frantic, and I'm sweating. And the Lord says, relax, there's no rush. You know it's the boldness of the Holy Spirit when you're standing in the midst of a crisis and the peace of God comes over you. You say, no, this is the way right here. But wait. We should wait. No. There's a season to wait. But waiting does not characterize the spiritual life. Waiting is the prelude to running and walking. They that wait upon the Lord wait upon Him for the purpose of renewing their strength. Not because the spiritual life is all about waiting and you're supposed to be in a holding pattern for about 60 years of your spiritual life and then God activates you for about a year. (laughs) No, 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 no. Waiting is a temporary period 
of consecration to the Lord by which He prepares you, empowers you, and equips you to mount up with wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, and to walk and not faint. That is, the Lord says wait when He sees you in your current condition and says if you run now, you're going to be weary, or if you walk now, you're going to be faint. So I'm going to take you into a season of waiting so that I can fit you with the necessary strength and the necessary wisdom and the necessary stamina so that when you begin to fly and when you begin to run and when you begin to walk, you will not be weary, you will not stumble, you will not fall, you will not be faint, but you will run until you reach your destination. Now, if you will recall, I announced at the beginning of this year that the Lord said this is a year of renewal and that 2012 was a year of revival. Now, if you notice, this year there was no big push to bring your friends to church. There's no big evangelistic push this year. There's no write down the top ten list and we're going to reach people for Jesus and we're going to turn this neighborhood upside down. Don't, yes, we have been doing evangelistic things. We'll go out in the neighborhood and we'll always be a witness. But the big push was renewing your mind. Renewing your heart, breaking up the fallow ground, renewal. It's the year of renewal. And so we're renewing our minds and renewing our hearts and preparing. And the Lord is saying this year has been a waiting period preparing us, but now our wings are beginning to open. And as we come to the end of this year, God wants us to know that in 2012 we are going to run and not be weary. We're going to walk and not faint. We're going to rise up with wings as eagles. God says that in the year 2012, you are going to begin to pursue your destiny like you've never pursued it before. And you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, but God says now you're going to run toward it. You're not going to hesitate anymore. You're not going to be confused about it anymore. You're not going to be in chaos about it anymore. And the obstacles in front of you are going to collapse before you and crumble into dust before you. Even mountains are going to become like dust beneath your feet because now is the time to run after the things that the Lord has set before you. In 2012, we're going to see a great influx of souls coming into the kingdom of God. We're going to reap a great harvest, and we're not simply going to wait for them. We're going to run to them, and we're going to reach them. We're going to release a wave of supernatural evangelism in this Bay Area. Supernatural evangelism means that the miracle doesn't happen only in the church, but it happens out on the street. You're going to lead people to Christ because you prayed for them on the street, and they got healed. You're going to lead people to Christ because you sat on the bus, and suddenly you knew the name of the person sitting next to you, and they want to know how you know their name. It's because of the prophetic unction of the Holy Spirit that's on your life. We are raising up an army of sons and daughters who know how to take nations as their inheritance. And God wants you to begin to gear up for it now. To set your mind on it now. We've spent the whole year, the last ten months, we've been renewing our minds. We've been renewing our hearts. And God is saying, I've been preparing you. I've been preparing you to reap a harvest. And now it's time. It's time. And so I just want to prepare you to move. There's a prophetic element to this because the, God always moves his people by virtue of the prophetic. By a prophet, he brought them out of Egypt. But there's an apostolic element to it as well because he's not only moving us, but he's establishing us in the promised land. And he's establishing our minds and hearts that there's been so much hesitation. Let's wait. Let's. Let's make sure we're doing this right. And even in many, many of us, many of you sitting here, there's been, I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. I want to make sure I'm serving the way the Lord would have me to serve. I want to make sure I'm doing what he wants me to do. I want to make sure I don't step out of his perfect will. 
And the Lord is saying, in, that se- in this next season, you're going to exchange those garments of uncertainty and doubt, timidity and fear, hesitation, instead of walking slowly toward things. You're going to run toward things. And you're going to fly. You're going to fly. Amen. I'm so excited. I can't tell you how excited I am. Next year will radically change the face of this church. Radically. There's been a certain consistency over the last eight years since we became a house. From year to year, there's been gradual change. And even if it you know, grew, you know, we had years where we've grown 50%, 75%. We've had years where we doubled in size. But when you double in size, you go from, say, 80 to 160. It's a lot different from going from, say, 200 to 1,000. But you've got to open your mind and hearts to the thousands. Now, what that's going to mean for some of us is we're going to have to shift our minds and hearts away from the kind of social church mentality. So I like having a small church. Why? Because I can know everybody. Yeah, get that out of your mind because that's not a kingdom value. In heaven, you're going to be one of millions and billions standing before the throne of God. You ain't going to know everybody. (laughs) But you're going to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Never says we're going to know everybody, but it says we're going to know Jesus. Because we're going to see him as he is. And he wants it on earth as it is in heaven. There's no small groups in heaven. (laughs) Wow, that just hit me. That's revelation. Doesn't mean small groups are wrong. But it means God wants to fill his house with sons and daughters. And he's giving us a much bigger tank now. So we're opening up the fish gate. And they're coming. But it means that God's going to prosper you. And so you need to begin to open your heart and mind. Remove the limitations. Many of you think this is as much as I can do. You think financially this is as much as I can make. You think of your impact in the kingdom and say this is as much as I can do. Get that out of your mind. You have no idea how much you can do. You have no idea how much you can make. You have no idea how much you can give. God's going to expand and bless some of you by giving you an amount to give that you don't have the resources to give right now. And when you step out in faith and honor that word from the Lord, he's going to enlarge your path beneath you. I've seen him do it. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight. I just speak your blessing over this house in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bless your people with peace with strength, with hope, with joy. Lord, I just sense a broadening tonight. There's been so much narrowing, and we've talked so much about narrowing, you wanting to take things out of our life. But Lord, we can talk so much about narrowing that you just become a God who takes. But Lord, taking is not central to your nature. God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is central to your nature. And when you take... You only take in order to prepare us so that you can give. You take because there are things that you want to give us that we're just not able to receive because there's no room for them. You take to clear out space so that you can give more. Your heart burns to give and not to take. And Lord, there's some in this room right now that feel like you've taken some things from them. 
Say, Lord, why did you take this from me? Why have you taken so many things? It seems like there's somebody in this room right now, and you're just thinking, you came in here tonight thinking, Lord, everything in my life that is meaningful to me, you've taken from me. It seems like you, that's how you treat me. You're constantly taking from me. Why? And I just hear the word of the Lord coming to you tonight saying, no, I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. And the Lord is standing before you tonight with outstretched arms. His hands are full of blessing. His heart is full of love. He says, I'm here to give you life. You've gone through the narrowing. And there's still more narrowing to come. Don't get me wrong. But now there's a broadening. All of a sudden you're looking down and the path between your feet is getting wider. It's enlarging. The path beneath your feet is enlarging. And he says, he gives me the feet of a deer. Some of you feel like you're in one of those dreams where you want to move but you can't move. You're stuck. You ever had one of those stuck dreams? Everybody's running and you want to run. There's some danger or something but you can't run. You're just stuck. The Lord says, I'm giving you the feet of a deer. And you're going to run in this next season. You're not going to be afraid because you won't stumble. You won't stumble. Don't worry. I won't let you make a mistake. I won't let you make a mistake. He is the, high, he is the apostle and high priest of your confession. He is the apostle and high priest of your confession. He won't let you make a mistake. You know, a couple couple weeks ago, I got in my car, was left the house, and I was driving to church, and all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, your father won't let you make a mistake. And just then, my cell phone rang, and it was my father. And my dad said, son, I've been thinking about something, and I want to help you with this. He was speaking to me about an aspect of, of something that we were doing that just wasn't right. And he says, I've been looking it over, and you need to do this better, but I'm going to help you with it. And he said, I'm not going to let you fail. I thought, wow, what confirmation. The Lord says, your father will not let you fail. And then my, my natural father calls me and says, I'm not going to let you fail. It was a sign from heaven that God is taking us into a season where you don't have to be afraid of making a mistake because your father is saying, no, 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 I'm not going to let you make a mistake. I hold you fast. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. There's no fear. There's no restriction. There's great joy. Your father won't let you make a mistake. So I, tonight I just, I command your hearts and minds to begin to run towards your destiny. Just begin to run. Nothing holding back. Father, I thank you. I speak blessing. In Jesus' mighty name.